and welcome to this week's Devil the Detail podcast. I'm Rob Parkinson and I'm here talking all things. So for a Devil's joining the show this week, as ever, we've got Paul Parkin. How's your week been, mate? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Seemed by without too much going on. The old neighbours moved out today, new ones moved in, so I've met them. That was that was nice. Always good to to meet up. They seem nice, so that's that's a bonus. And other than that, I had my brother's birthday yesterday, or one of them. So that again, nice to see all the family. Other than that, I've not I haven't really done anything. I think I've watched a bit more rugby league, and that's about it. I've caught up on a few of the friendlies from the NRL. They're looking for next season's signings, but yeah, no, not, I've not really done anything. It's been been fairly plain sailing this week so far. So, so yeah, been quite pleasant. Yeah, and now the big news: he has returned like Christ the Redeemer. He has risen again to talk all things Salford Red Devils. To quote Mark Twain. The reports of my death have been greatly exaggerated on this podcast. I am just keeping Britain warm. He is back. Everybody's favourite. It's Paul Whiteside. How have you been, mate? Hey, Rob. Thanks. Thanks for that, buddy. Yeah, I've been all right. I feel like I've let you guys down. And I apologise. I've not been available as much because I've just been working loads and that, to be honest with you. It's, it's been all tea and tea and bed when I've been getting home, so you blame Baxi for that. They send me here, there and everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, I'm all right. I'm doing okay. Our hours are starting to drop down a bit now, so I've got home, well, say a bit earlier today. I've been to Leeds this morning and then all over Salford. I had to go to Leeds and then after that, Worsler. So you figure that one out. But I've managed to get home one time today for one. So after about 12 hours, I, leave, I left early this morning, like six in the morning, but not too bad. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting paid out and, and that. So, uh, so yeah, all good. I'm, I'm enjoying life and just glad to be back because a few people have been uh, texting me saying, how come you don't do the podcast anymore? Have you been sacked? <laughs> It's like, no, I've not been sacked, so I've just not been. Well, you two have been doing a great job anyway. I mean, I've heard the last couple of podcasts on that one. I've been driving about at work, and I think you've done a great job, and I've enjoyed listening to it. So I just hope I can do you justice again. Yeah. But you're the star, man. Don't give us that, Parky. We, oh, we've just been keeping the boat afloat. It's great to have you back on board. Uh, I want to thank say you. a big thank to all our listeners over the last couple of weeks who have tuned in, listened to the several different podcasts that we've put out record numbers this this month can't thank you enough for engaging with us and, and tuning in parker it's been amazing yeah well it's, it's no good without the listeners it's just those waffling isn't it i think the thing is as well it helps when you have decent things to talk about but obviously bringing paul king on the pop-up last week was yeah he was he was fantastic and that seems to have gone down really well i think people have listened to what he said rather than just hearing it second hand and you form your own opinions from things and I think I think he's turned a lot of people back back towards him and towards the club who maybe fell out with it a little bit. When you hear the reasons why things have had to happen, it's very difficult. And what he's what he's been through in, in recent months, it's not been easy for him. It can't be good for your health running the South Rugby League Club. So no, th- that's obviously helped us and uh, yeah, we just keep doing what we're doing and thank people for listening. Yeah. Been amazing. Like I say, I want to say a big thanks to our listeners for engaging with us and listening to what we've got to say. It's been uh, truly a humbling experience. Obviously, all these people tuning in, Paul, it's, it makes you feel special because obviously we're here just like you say, we're three lads in a laptop talking all things over and devils and people take an hour out of their lives every week to, to listen. Yeah, well, that's one thing I noticed when, when I started do it, helping you doing it and I used to think like god how many people actually listen to this and especially when you said like where they're all from and you've got people all over the world and like our good friend mark hey so mm-hmm. mark on the sunday at the match he comes chatting to me and it's, it's just mad he lives like 12 
15,000 miles away, but he absolutely loves the podcast and, and, and really enjoys listening to it. And it keeps, I know we've got a lot of technology these days, haven't we, with internet and things like that, but the podcast keeps him in the Salford loop, really. It makes him still feel part of it. So so I think I think that's great. But yeah, people enjoy it. And he's good. We're a good club at Salford, aren't we? We all... We all sort of know each other, don't we? And I think that's what what makes it special, what makes it a, a family, like, like really. Yeah, so let's go. Let's start talking about the win against Casford. You're listening to Devil in the Detail, and this is your Big Match Review. So, Salford Devils were victorious. They beat Casper 26 points to 22 at the Salford Stadium. Parker, great result for Paul Rowley's men. First win of 2024. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the main thing, isn't it? It's a win. It was a, it was, it was an okay game. Bit of a tough watch at times for us, I think. We, we started off like a house on fire. I thought this, we're going to get a hat full here. We scored 12 points in 12 minutes. I think they'd had three or four dropouts at that point. But it looked like it was just going to be our day. And then I think, I don't know if we, I don't know, I, I don't know if it was the tactics we played or what, but it did. we just slipped off and we let them in the game. And we can't afford to do that because, no disrespect to Cass, but better teams will punish you for that kind of performance. I said to you, I remember saying to you at half-time that I thought that the way we were playing, it goes back to what Paul Rowley said about Saints in the past, about that staying in the 60 minutes that we an arm wrestle. And then that last 20 minutes, they'll warn you down. And that's when they get the edge on you. That's when they go for the throw. And I thought that's what we were doing, the way we were playing. Because we we weren't making Cass do a lot in, in defence in terms of stretching them and pulling them around the park. And I thought, oh, maybe we're just going to tire them out and then later in the game, punish them. But unfortunately, that last 10 or 15 minutes, it went the opposite way. We fell apart a little bit, discipline-wise. I don't know what happened. I don't, I don't particularly think they were all penalties at the time. I think you know, one or two probably were, but... At the same point, there's certain incidents that you just can't do in any game. We give them a bit of impetus and they, they nearly took it. I mean, they could have, last play of the game, they could have stole it from us. And I think by half time, I felt quite comfortable. I thought, we've got, we've got this, we've got enough. Uh, but as the game went on, we seemed to just slip away. Players seemed to switch off a little bit. And, but that, the main concern for me was the discipline later in the game. Because that is going to kill us if we keep doing it. Mm, absorbing. Paul, that's the, the, the problem. Um, obviously, giving away penalties, you're giving away ball and it takes juice out of your tank, doesn't it? And obviously, we look back at the old game and the early pressure we put on uh, Castleford, the, the dropouts resulted in a, a tr- the first try by Sam Stone. We've talked about how sometimes we fail to build pressure mm. on teams, but this time, textbook, pressure built try Stone. Yeah, well, I, I know Stone has another opportunity when it was 12 nil, and if they give it a score there... I think they got an intercept. I think we'd have gone over there. We, we, we'd have been 18 nil up. And no, to be honest with you, I think we should have won that game with 40 points. I think with a miles better side for, for long periods of the game, you take away that last 10 minutes where Cass dominated. I think a, a side with a bit more killer instinct would have, would have got 40 or 50 against Cass. I thought Cass, they, they, they worked hard, didn't they? But the game was a funny game because we dominated the first 10 minutes. For 20 minutes or whatever then they came into it and they had a lot of possession then they had, they had a lot of sets of six on our line so they had they had that so it was just strange strange first half really I'm the same as Parker I was comfortable at that time I thought we were the Miles better team but we seemed to clock off again Jack Armand what was he doing there I mean I watched that back on the video the, the other night and 
I don't think there's anything in it, but it looks bad. And when it looks bad, it, it alarms the referee, and then that could have lumbered us that. But luckily, we sort of we sort of quelled that storm and we took the sting out of it. We kicked a penalty goal, didn't we? I think that ran the clock down as well. But that doesn't help. And then Callum Watkins gets binned, and my heart was in my mouth there towards the end of the game because we we could have chucked that away. We we really could have done. But um, I don't know. It's one of those you can look at the game and think, well, people are saying we're going to struggle, Cass are going to struggle, mm. and we played each other. And we were about even, really, weren't we? So you could look at it like that. But I, I don't know. I mean, I was quite impressed with the Leeds game. I thought we played really well at Leeds and didn't deserve to lose, to be honest. with you. And we beat Cass, so we got a big test this week against Ulkaya. They've won, won two. So if we can get something out of that game, then, then we really have started well. Yeah, Amir Borough with Salford's second try, offload uh, by Brad Singleton, I think it was, dives over to score. Obviously, lots to talk about our hooking role. Made 31 tackles in the game, Amir Borough. Building into this team, Parky, I know he's only young, I know he's still learning, uh, but it's good signs for me. Yeah, I think we said last year that he, he probably couldn't be on, under much of a better coach in role. Obviously, role being a, a, a great hooker as he was. He'll know there are no the roles changed these days. It's not not hooker as such, but he'll be able to pass on a lot of wisdom to him. He's from from what I've heard, he's actually really keen to learn. I mean, I think that's a, a side to him that we, we won't know because you don't watch him train. We're not with him, but he's willing to learn. He wants to pick up. He wants to get better. And like you say, he's still young, so he's got plenty of time on his hands. And he took his stride well. He did. He did well. He was alert. He could see the space, and he, he crashed over. So yeah, and overall, I thought I thought he did okay. I thought he played well at Leeds. <laughs> Really did. I mean, that Simbin he got at Leeds. I know we're going back a couple of weeks now, but that was ridiculous. He couldn't do anything about that. He, 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 I've watched it back, and I'm still not sure why he got Simbin. To be fair, but but I think he's really growing, and he just obviously he's got Chris Atkin there who can put a bit of pressure on Joe Mello when he comes back into the comes into the team. So he knows he's got to keep his performances up, otherwise he could be out of the team in no time. That's that's a great thing considering how small our squad is. So I think that'll help him develop because I think that pressure is something that he'll he'll, he'll grow to like. I like to say with Paul Rowley teaching him the ropes, yeah, he'll he'll do okay. And I thought, like I say, I thought he played really well on on Sunday. Yeah, so Salford were in front, like Paul said. Sam Stone makes a break. Looks like we're going to feed it to Mark Sneed. Interception from Castleford. Paul, momentum shift for me at that point. Cast went over the other end and had a try disallowed, then scored, and then scored again. It was all back in the melting pot. Yeah, it was. I thought that that first try was a bit of a poor one, really. It was a poor read from us, and he, and he crashed over for that for that try. And yeah, we, we I thought we let him off the hook a bit there. But just going back to what you said about Amir Burra, I thought he. One thing about Amir is he's, he's a very fit lad. You get really good minutes out of him. I think we got about sixty odd minutes out of him, and that, that's a good shift for him. That I thought, and like as you said, it, it leads. He didn't look out of place. It was a big game. It was a big test going to Edinley on that opening night. The big fanfare of Leeds, 15,000 fans there. I thought he did really well. And one other player who I thought was, was really good on uh, on Sunday, and I'm liking him a lot, Sam Stone. I think he's one of the best back rows in the league. Uh, if we get Shane Wright back to full fitness, he's just showing signs now, right? I think looked a bit hesitant at Leeds because he's been out for a long time. So it's going to take him a long time to get his confidence back. And, uh, and when he does, I think with them two in the back row, you've got Callum Watkins there as well. Three of the best in the league there. So, uh, so yeah, well, as you said, Cass were back in the game. And I thought Joe Westerman played really well for them. He's a, he's a veteran now, but he worked hard and he was involved in a lot of what they did. He was as a pivot player there with, with that Jacob Miller. He, he, was, he was very lively as well. So when they went over for that try, they were, they were back in it there. Yeah. And obviously, just poor half-time, big bump by Mark Sneed, caught by... Neem McDonald and Salford are in front going into half-time. Parker, wonderful 
catch by McDonald. Great chase and uh, just what we needed on the on the hooter. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that high kick, that bomb seemed to be our main tactic of the day. That's what I was saying. I tried to say it at half time to, to you about we were playing in front of Cass a lot with the ball. We were, mm. like, we, we're known for our expansive play and the way we keep the ball alive and we're a bit unpredictable. And I thought on Sunday, I thought we were very predictable at times. So that high kick became our, our main weapon. And we kept trying. Sneedy was doing it from all angles. I thought Sneedy had a great game and all, by the way. I thought he was one of his best. McDonald there, I mean, to, obviously, just to chase the ball, just shows that he's, he's switched on and he wants to be there. But the way he took it out of the player's hands, more like Hooley more or less had it in his hands and he just come swo- swoops. And it, again, another great performance from, from Nain because he was, he was excellent at Leeds and he was, he was great again on, on Sunday. He's going to be a real threat for us all year. But it was a good try, that. And it was one of them that got you out of your seat. It was kind of a, a wow moment. Salford, don't do that. That's a Saints try or whatever. That's, that, that was good. That was at the point then. I thought, yeah, we've got these. If these things are coming off, that's when you go on and win games. But we uh, obviously, it didn't quite sort of pan out that way. But just around that time, they'd lost Richardson, Danny Richardson. And I thought then when I saw him walk past, he said it was a head injury. But as he walked past me, he was holding his legs. So I wasn't, I wasn't dead sure why. I don't know if he played a flanker there with the head injury or whatever, I don't know. But And as he went off, I thought, that's it. They're going to be playing with one half-back, which was Miller, obviously, and, and, and Joe Westerman was, like Paul said, I thought, he, I thought he was really good the other day. Got a nice a nice chant off the south stand as well, which was was interesting. But yeah, I, I thought, at that point, I thought, we, we should go on and win this quite comfortably now. They won't have the same attack, but fair play to cast the young in there and made it difficult for us. Yeah, talking about crowds, Parky, we were speaking at our time. Castleford fans in that first half, your team's down to tra- down 12 nil. You're looking mm. down a marrel, you're not getting behind the team. You're just, all you're doing is give the RFL abuse for 40 minutes. I just thought we'd do a, it was unbelievable, yeah. really, but I suppose each to their own in that way. Yeah, I think if they made that much noise for their own team, it might have boosted them on a little bit mm. more. Fair play, I mean, they didn't shut up for, for virtually the full 80, did they? I think they were a bit quiet at one point, but other than that, they kept singing, but not for their team. It was more anti-RFL rants. But, like you say, I can understand why. I mentioned it the week before when we talked about the, the sending off the week before. I, it still baffles me now. So, you do sometimes think, I've said it myself, that you think the authorities can be against you. And that's the way the cast fans felt. And they certainly made it clear on uh, on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, full tinfoil hat brigade were out on, uh, on the weekend, that's for sure. Second half started... Paul, Salford score again. Sam Stone gets his second little kick through. He's fast enough, gets to the ball. Salford lead 24-10. Yeah, it's funny. When I was looking last week, I think I did the three-word match, but I think I went for Sam Stone, same as you. And I was I was caught between two minds whether to go for Mark Sneed or, or Sam Stone. Because I thought Sneed was brilliant at Leeds and I thought he was brilliant against Cass. And I looked back through and I don't think anybody gives Sneed the man of match for at Leeds. And he played really well, but I thought on, on Sunday, he was brilliant. He created everything, really, didn't he? Everything came off him. His short kicking game was good. His long kicking game was good. His goal kicking, I don't think he's missed a kick yet for us this season. He kicked them all at Leeds, kicked them all against Cass. Just thinking, what is he, 32, 33? Playing brilliant. Playing really, really well. And uh, he was the architect of that that victory for me. Kicking through for, for Stone there and... I think it was 24-10, that was it. And, and that should have been the catalyst then for us to go on and put them to bed. I think that's that's for our next sort of stage now, really, is to, to when we get in a position like that, is to kill the game off. And perhaps when we get to 
fit wingers playing for us with a bit of pace like we've, we've got coming through no disrespect to the lads who were on the wing I thought Ankinson played well and so did Dion Cross but we might just have that bit more bite there then and to be able to go on and, and shut teams out but but yeah I thought Sneedy was, was great yeah, Tom out Mark's need. Parker kicked a penalty goal, took two weeks to take it, ran the clock down. Um, Cass scored two late on, and I say put the uh, put the willies up us a bit. Yeah, well, he, he was good. I mean, that's that's what you get with experience. We knew we were down to twelve men. You could see he could probably feel that the game was a little bit. But he's still in the balance. Take the two, but burn the clock down. Try and get your player back on from the bin. I, want, I just want to mention that about Armand Roy, though, that the. From the incident that he got binned for, there was absolutely no point in what he did. I know it wasn't a malicious attack or anything like that. It looked a little bit worse at the time than it was. But at the same point, there was no threat from that kick from Cass. It was all covered. They weren't going anywhere. All he had to do was do his job. I would chase up and try and put pressure on the kicker. Stop. Don't touch him. Don't go near him. Or just get back in the line. Get back to, to, to take the next ball if you have to. And it's things like that good players, the top players, don't do. They don't do that. And that's where so that's where you find your level. And I think I think Jack could, he could have let us down there. I mean, he only took one more try from Cass in that period. If we hadn't have had that penalty kick, you lose the game on one incident like that. All the hard work the lads have done all the way through the game. And it's things like that that need stamping out. When I say discipline, I don't mean these silly penalties for being offside or not being square. Yeah, they're bad, but it's things like that that can be avoided that aren't just in the referee's mind. That's a, it's a definite penalty. You don't do it. And unfortunately, we do, we do have a marks need in the team who knows how to calm it down and, and just get us through <laughs> that period. And like I say, he took the two. He's never going to miss because he, he, like I say, he doesn't. And that was just enough for us. But I think... I think something that Paul Rowley will have had a quiet word with Jack about. At the moment, the way things are, one slight missed time tackle and you're off. You don't need to be putting yourself in positions like that for no reason. So, I mean, the chances are, if he goes out and charges the ball down, what's he going to do with it? He's a prop forward. He's not going anywhere. He probably just gives them the ball back. So, is it worth the risk? you just got to use your brain a little bit, I think, at times. And, and for us, that discipline has to be better. Yeah, I think with a, with a Jack Armand Road one, he, he's never gonna. He's never looking to charge the ball down, Paul. He, he's always looking to take the man. If if you compare sort of a body shape for somebody who's trying to stop a field goal, let's say, they make themselves as big as they can. When in this situation where you're trying to charge the kicker, most not just Jack Armand right? anyone who who charges the kicker really try to take the kicker out rather than charge the ball down. So mm. it, it's becoming. Obviously, you need to put pressure on the kicker to make them rush the kick, don't don't you, Paul? But it's 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 that follow through in it where you take the man out, and if you're late, that's when the referee sort of gets involved. It's it's a difficult situation. I get that, but for me, he was never going for the ball. He was always going for the man. Yeah, I watched it back yesterday, and he he sort of catches him here, then doesn't he? And then it rides up. So I think he looks a lot worse than it was, and I think that millimetre, right millimetre, yeah. but it's it's a cheap shot, and I don't think there's any. We used to see a lot of that in the game, and, and nowadays I don't think you can I don't think you can do cheap shots anymore because you're going to get sent off, aren't you? So yeah. it, it'd have been best to just not even get involved with something like that. And I think players have got to be a bit wiser and a bit smarter, haven't they? Now, I mean. You've probably spoke about the last last few weeks about like the the head tackles and things like that. I think the referees needed 
sorting out because I mean that one for the accidental head clash at Hull I thought was absolutely ridiculous yeah. I thought the Liam Watts one yeah. was a bit daft because at the end of the day the Liam Watts one he should have sent Joe Westerman off as well because yeah. they both did the same thing so 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 yeah so we get that but you've got to behave yourself haven't you so it's, it's alright saying the referees have been the RFL rubbish and all that but the players have got responsibility as well haven't they they, they need to just be a bit wiser and a bit smart I mean, we all want to see big hits and physical tackles but I think I've always not liked cheap shots on kickers because when a player's relaxed, Chris Atkin used to get it all the time. When a player's relaxed, like a lot of small guy, and you got a big daft forward coming in, like who's twice as big as him, you've got to injure somebody, aren't you? And we, we've seen it, one of the worst teams for it, St. Helens, in it, the way they play the game. So I don't know how they're going to go on this season because they do like to play it tough. So let's see how they go on when they're on the telly. But no, Almond Roy didn't need to do that. And um, if I was Paul Rowling at training on, on the Monday morning, I'd be saying you cut that out because you could have cost us the game. It really could have cost us the match there. So, luckily, we didn't. No harm was done, really, in that 10 minutes. I don't think I scored in that 10 minutes, do we? We got a penalty goal and um, and, and that was that. But, no, I think he knew straight away, Armin, right? He apologised, didn't he, straight away. And just a daft thing to do. Yeah, he protested innocence all the way off the pitch, talking to different cast players as he walked past <laughs> as well. Yeah. Just trying to explain that I didn't hit him that hard. I didn't hit him high, yeah. just the way it is. But, like you say, that's the, the game we're, that's the game we're in. And that's the rules we have to follow. And I'm sure, obviously, Paul Riley would have had a word and, and they'll have yeah. a video about it and they'll have a look at it and see what, what happened. I know Chris and Inu talked about it in his press conference about ill discipline and how they're trying to fix it and all that. So I'm sure it's, it's something that, that they're looking at, at doing. Talk about discipline, Parker. King Bunny yeah. IRY back from suspension. Fantastic for me. Really tough tackling. Power moves. Good discipline as well. Reminded me of the kind of game that he played last season. Uh, Leeds, which, which I think was his best game of the season, and he went on a mega run after that. So hopefully, same again this season in twenty twenty four. Yeah, I mean he's good to have him back. He does make plenty of meters, and he does put himself about. I thought Brad Singleton was good. Thought he was good. really good, mm-hmm. leaving us in from the front he, again. Did quite quite decent minutes as well. So having them two together is is good. Obviously, Paul King mentioned the other week. We're still on the lookout for a prop. Fingers crossed they can get a bit of help. But yeah, I thought King did, did really well for his first game back. Because of course, again, they've had we had half a friendly. We didn't even get that, did he? Because he got got flirted at, at Saints. Mm. So he's had no time to play. So just getting your fitness and your timing. And and at the moment, like we said, the way things are with your arm, your arm going high, or in in the case of Watts the other week, your arm being low and you get sent off for that. I mean, that's bizarre. But you've got to be very careful. And just getting that right. So, yeah, it was good to have him back. And, and obviously, the more games he gets under his belt, the, the, the better he'll be. But, yeah, I mean, the back end of last season, we, we said, didn't we, really came into his own. And I think since we signed Brad Singleton, I think that's helped him because mm. he's not had to carry so much of the, the burden on his own in that way. And, and I think Brad brings a lot of experience. I know he, he can sometimes be a bit of a hothead, but I think he needs a bit of that as well. We, we know we need to keep discipline, but we need somebody who's got a bit of fire. But yeah, no, it was good to have him back. And like you say, get another prop in there. And, and I think the pack starts to look okay. Yeah. Uh, Callum Watkins got put in the bin as well. Uh, Paul mm. holding down. I think it was just like the old pro, just trying to buy a bit of time. But a bit too much time put in the bin. But I suppose that's uh, the fine line, in it? It's judging how long's too long. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. We're, we're holding down and stuff like that. I don't really get it because I think you could penalise every tackle for holding down, couldn't you? It's just a, it's a bit of a lottery, isn't it? 
I think those are a lottery. It's like being square at the play of the ball. It's a lottery. It just depends how the referee feels, doesn't he? Or if he fancies giving a penalty because like the six, the six against are a bit like that. I think I know I, I hear what the, the club are saying and when Inu says it and Rolly says it, oh we're gonna work on the discipline and all that, but half the time it must be difficult. It must be difficult because you I, I saw something there's a letter in the League Express actually from a lead supporter that said I don't know if you saw it, it was saying how bad Salford's tactics were. They're absolutely awful. I've not had a, not seen a team worse than that come to Edinburgh and hold down like they did. They'll never get anywhere holding down. I thought, every team does it. And I've said it to you guys before, every team wrestles and holds down because it's part of the game, isn't it? So I, I don't know where they, where they get that from. I don't know how you, you, you sort of <laughs> stop that, really, because Paul Rowley will want the players to sort of do what you can. You've got to make sure you don't want that play the ball to be too fast. So it's a real fine line, isn't it? So... To, to say you're going to reduce the penalties, like I think you guys said it before, it's the obvious things, isn't it? Cut the the, the cheap shots out and the, the funny IUR sort of stuff that he does. If you can get that right, the six against and the, the, the holding down, yeah, it's a bit of a lottery, but I think it's just control the controllables, isn't it? Don't be going knocking people around the head. Okay, thoughts on that? Yeah, that, no, that's exactly it. That's exactly what I'm, I'm saying. You, when, when people go on Salford's disciplines, poor. It depends what you mean. I mean, sometimes, like I said, I don't think they're all penalties. I didn't think it at Leeds. I thought we got harshly done at Leeds. I think we got done for not being square at one play of the ball when the whole of a set of six before Leeds hadn't been square. I once remember shouting it while I was on the terrace at the Western Terrace going, they're not square, they're not square. And we got penalised for it. You go, well, what's the difference? It's up to the referee's interpretation. Whereas a swinging arm or a Jack Armand Ryan incident, Cut them out. They're the discipline problems for me. Not these these silly penalties are up to the referee. And I don't ever think you're going to get a fully level playing field with that. I really don't. I think Saints, Paul mentioned it. Saints are brilliant at little things like that. Little holding down, dragging the ball out, slowing you down a bit. They're, they're, they're brilliant at it. When you watch it back, you go, how's how the referee not given that? By the time when you're watching it, you're not really thinking. So that's the, that's the difference. And I think it's sometimes how cute you can be with it. But, yeah, just cut out them stupid ones. Don't risk anything. Try and stay as clean as you can. And then the other things, they are unavoidable at times. Yeah. We talk about game play intelligence. It's not just going forward that. It's defending as well, isn't it, really? And uh, sure, like you say, they'll be looking at it and trying to fix it up going forward. Talking about stats now, got some new stats. Found some new stats for this season to look at. Completion rate. We completed at 84%. Casper completed at 93%. Wow. Our carries were 194 carries. They were 179 carries. We made 1,232 metres. They made 930 metres. And we made 262 tackles. And they made 278 tackles. The interesting is that I thought, because we talk about our forwards not making metres up the field, not breaking the line, this stat, post-contact metres 661 for us 486 metres for them Parker which means we were bursting tackles and going forward I think that's skewed by the likes of Tim Laffey and and Nene McDonald making big metres when they hit contact I think more so than our forwards Mm. I really do Uh, I'm not saying it's not all but I mean, Paul Rowley mentioned it after the Leeds game that them two made really good meetings. They were poking the head through the line a lot. That's what they do. They're both very difficult to stop. And I think that's what Nofaluma will bring as well. So while we say that, if you could break it down into 
who did what, uh, did how much did the forwards get through, and it's it's a tough one that. But and again, sometimes it depends how tired the opposition are and everything else, how much work they've had to do. But as long as we're making more meters than the other team, that that'll do. But because that's a pretty, I mean, I'm, I'd love to see how many times last year we managed to do that because it wouldn't have been many. Mm. So it's it's one bonus for this year. That's it. Thoughts on that, Paul? Yeah, I mean, I mean, like you said, that that's a big one. That making meters after contacts, isn't it? Because he's fighting the tackles, is it, and making that ground. Mm. So uh, another stat for me, have you got that one? Is missed tackles? Do you have a missed tackles stat? No, but I've got a funny feeling you're going to tell me. No, I know that that's one they always mention on the telly. I know the completion rate's a big one, isn't it? I was surprised that Castleford's completion rate was so big. But I, to be honest with you, I don't think the game was littered by mistakes, was it? It wasn't. It, it, wasn't. Wasn't. it was. It was a fairly fairly good game, and, and the the people on on the the Sky, I think it was whoever was commentating said it was one of the best games of the season so far. The ones that they've seen on the telly, and I thought you're yeah, probably right. It was an entertaining game. Yeah, there was stuff that you'd like to. As a supporter, you, you're probably thinking, yeah, that wasn't quite right. Or we were a bit soft there like, in that try. But it was an entertaining game. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was just a bit too close for, for comfort, really. Because when you go sort of 12-0 up and then, I think we're 24-10 up, you want to shut the game out then and, and, and get the win. I mean, that could have gone either way there at the end. And that was a bit too close to call for me. But no, I think the completion rate was good. I don't think the game was littered with errors. No. Talking about individual stats now. Parker. Top tacklers, Amir Borough 31, Sam Stone 28, Joe Shorrocks 26, Callum Watkins 23, Brad Singleton 23. Yeah, I mean, it sounds about right. It was one of them games, I dare say, both teams did virtually the same tackles, I would have thought, didn't they? So it was kind of, yeah, you'd expect that from the, from, from the forwards as well. But yeah, like that's one of them that you can gauge, I suppose, uh, unless somebody gets into the 40s and 50s, it's, it's what you would expect I, I suppose, again, you have to look at the missed tackles, who did what in, in that way to judge how good the t- defence actually was. But that's just that's just one of them things. But, yeah, I think they, they all worked. They all worked out. Every player that was on the park for, for both sides, I thought, worked quite tirelessly. I think just, just going off what Paul said there, I thought they, there, wasn't, there weren't that many errors. There weren't that many breaks in, in terms of because of a knock-on or whatever. The ball was in play quite a lot. Uh, and one thing I did want to say, I know we're on the stats, but just just wanted to say, besides the last sort of seven minutes, I thought the referee had a really good game, mm. and that's that's not me. I don't I don't think that ever. I thought he controlled the game really. He let it go, he let it flow, and that's what made the game a better spectacle, rather than at Leeds where the whistle seemed to go every three and a half seconds. So yeah, I, I just wanted to say well done to the referee. Yeah, looking at the team stats, back to missed tackles, we made forty five. They made 40. Paul, so what's your thought of that? Missed tackles. Mm. That's what it says. Get a tackle bags out. That's yeah. not right, is it? That, that's poor. That, that's poor, that. So, so, yeah, you don't want to miss that many tackles, do you, really? Mm. I don't know if there was that many missed tackles in the game, but just echoing what I was going to say, that you stole my thunder there, Paul. I was going to mention the referee. I thought the referee was great. Yeah. In the last sort of 10 minutes, last five minutes, there was a lot, there was a lot of sort of six agains and what have you, but maybe they were warranted. I don't know. I've not really watched the game with a fine two call, like, but I thought he was good because what what I've, I've noticed this so far this season, everybody's been coming away from matches and going on Twitter and going on Facebook. And all they've been talking about the referee and sending off. We've not been talking about the great tries or what a great pass that was, what a great tackle that was. That's what I watch rugby league for. 
Yeah. I watch it to, to, to watch the players. I don't watch it to talk about sending-offs and simbins and referees and offsides and this, that and the other. I want to see quality rugby league moves and great bits of play, nice grubber kicks, nice eye kick like Sneed did for, for Neil McDonald. That's what we go to watch. And and that referee did, I mean, he did his job. He, he let the game go. And I think perhaps some of the, the British referees need to take a leaf out of his book and just, just referee the game with a bit more common sense. That's... I think I'm all for red cards. If if something's reckless and someone's dangerously gone out to tech somebody out, then send them off. And mm. as a kid growing up, that's when you used to see red cards. You could count on one hand how many red cards you get in a season when I first started watching Salford. And that's what they were sent off for. Now we've seen them for, for daft things and that. And yeah. I get all this stuff about, I'm going off on a tangent here, I know, but I've not been on, so I just needed to get us off the chest. <laughs> Because I know there's a lot of stuff going on with people trying to sue the game and whatever, and I've got my own thoughts on that, and I'll keep them to myself because it'd probably be too controversial. But I think we just need to to, to sort of cut out the the reckless stuff. I think other things, and that referee was like that. He didn't, he wasn't pedantic. I think a lot of referees now can be really pedantic and pull up for for, for no reason when you don't need to. And it was, an, I think that's what made it such an enjoyable game. So let's hope that it's the same this Saturday. Yeah, um, I'm going to come back to you on that, Paul. On our sister show, the Sports Zone on Salford City Radio, which you listen to on a Tuesday and a Wednesday, you and James yeah. often talk about boxing and how fighters need to be saved from themselves sometimes by the corner man. Yeah, is this a similar thing that rugby players need to be saved from from themselves because of all like the high shots? Yeah, we love it. They love it as well because it's all part of the game, but. 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the line, they might be suffering for it. Yeah, there's, there's, a big, there's a big debate about that. And people say about, I've got to be careful what I say. I don't want people having a go at me, but I'll, I'll tell you how, how I think of it. People say, oh, there's, there's a lot of people have got like brain injuries and, and things like this. There's an awful lot of rugby players who haven't throughout the years. And there's an awful lot of old elderly people in care homes who've never played rugby league before, elderly ladies. They've had all sorts of brain injuries and got uh, Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and what's the other one? Is it Alzheimer's that the uh, yeah knocks on the, that? Yeah, I'm I'm not medical, but I mean, don't you? So you can't you can't blame everything on rugby league and you say with football. I think a while ago was he called Jeff Astle played at West Brom. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. he he had he shred the ball and all that. And there was a big thing there, wasn't there? So it's not stopped footballers heading the ball, wasn't it? And wearing helmets in the game, so. I don't know with this with this sort of thing with these players trying to sue the game. <clears throat> my opinion is that the sport of rugby league has it's been a knee jerk reaction. They've sort of panicked and gone, oh, "We can't, we can't let that happen." But if it was me in charge of rugby league, I'd have said, "I'd have said, yeah, we'll see you in court then, because you've got a leg to stand on." And I don't think they have. I think they've, they've sort of bottled it really. The RFL for for me, I'm probably well controversially, but I think they, I think they have. But that's that said, let's just get back to what you're saying. I don't think it's right to clock people around the head. It's not. But in a way, I think it's an occupational hazard in rugby league. You're going to get knocks the same as in boxing. You will get knocks. People get banged on the head. It's, it's part of it. You can't play rugby league without clashing because you've got two blokes who are 18 stone coming together. They're going to collide, aren't they? They're not, you're not going to stop that. So to me, you can't just send everybody off. Because that's not the answer to it. So I don't know what the answer is, but I don't think that's the answer. Yeah. But no, you're right. What you say though, you. I mean, we, me and James have this all the time, and you do have to to sort of rugby league players 
want to play, don't they? And you're not going to take. I mean, you look at the players now; they've not so much said that they've been talking about this strike and things like that. But no one's actually come out and sort of disagreed with the the rules that have this. It's a bit grey at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. Well, there's any talk about going on strike. There is a players' GMB union. Gaz Carvel, I think he's heading it. So why are we not? Why if the players are that focused on it and want to make a difference, you've got a union set up there. I'll get behind that. Go to them, tell them your demands, Parker, and mm-hmm. they will do the rest. I don't understand how we're having a discussion. It's great that Ryan Briley's having a chat with all the captains and, and we, we're yeah. going to try and get everything organised. You've got a union there, so why is it? Why are they not engaged with it? I don't quite understand why they aren't involved in this. The thing is with GMB, it's, it's a general union. You don't. It's not specifically for rugby league players. It's for workers. Whereas what they're saying is they want a union of rugby players, for rugby players, that will work on behalf of rugby players. It doesn't. It's, it's a different thing, and I think is that's it? where that, that problem that problem is. That it's it's a bit broad for what they're saying. What I will say, go, I mean, I agree with Paul one hundred percent. Everybody who plays rugby league knows what the risk is. You know exactly what you're going into, and. and then, if the evidence is there, then fine, I get it. But I mean, this season, the, the, any head is, is a red card, a yellow card. A high tackle, a malicious high tackle, has always been a red card. Because mm. that's never changed. So what? Why is it now a, a, a bigger thing? It's all because of the insurance. That's the issue. So the RFL can't get any more insurance. They've got, I think, they've one company that they can use that will insure the players at the moment, and that is it. And if that goes. So they've had to show that they'll make changes. But like you say, Paul, it's knee-jerk. They've not thought through what the changes really need to be. How How is it affecting things? The other side of it is people will turn off. And if you buy a season ticket for £700, you expect to see the best players every week. You don't want them sat in the stand for five, six weeks for something like, I mean, like we saw at the whole Warrington game last week and, and Cass Wigan the week before. That's not what the game's about. That's not why people are attracted to the sport. And that's what needs looking at. What, how do you get safety without compromising the product? Hmm. And I don't think they've done that. I think they've said, this is what we're going to do. Blank ban on anything above the shoulder. Well, that's always been a, a card. But now it's, it's these accidental ones. I mean, we, that, the, the whole one on Friday, was it Friday night? It's a head clash. But what are you supposed to do? Take your head off. How, how do you not clash heads? Yeah. Nobody meant anything. And in fact, both players clashed heads. So both players should have gone. The Warrington player hit his head on the whole player as well. But how does that not? It doesn't work. It's not fair. So the whole thing just needs re-looking at. And I think as the season goes on, they'll learn. And I think the only way it will work is by engaging with the players, which they clearly never did to start with. Mm. How do you feel about these, these rule changes? How do you feel about this? Can this where you're the guys on the pitch playing the game? We're sat in an office, don't know. You know what I mean? We don't know the physical side of it. What do you think? How can we go about it? And and that's where it needs to be. It needs to be dialogue between the players, the clubs, and the RFL and the referees to get this right. I get that. But what I'm saying is you've got the GMB union, players union, whatever, they have teeth. So you could have a many group of players that get together, go to the RFL and say, right, look, this is what we want you to do. And they'll be like, you've got no authority here. You've got no teeth. We can do what we want, Paul. So I think you've got to engage with 
the GMB union to give yourself teeth. So you can go to the RFL and you can go to Super League and say, look, the game at the moment doesn't work for us players. I know there's lots of other things going on behind the scenes, like Ryan Bradley spoke about, which things they'll they'll need to sort out. But the aspect, this aspect of the game, I think you need teeth to get a change. You do, yeah. I mean... The GMB is like the, it's the old Boilermakers Union. I mean, they're not my best friend, the GMB, really. I was in the GMB with BG through the strikes and that, and it didn't really help us out that much. So, so after all, we went through. But just going back to the referees and that, I know we've probably gone off subject here and I apologise because it's because I've not been on it for a few weeks and I had loads of stuff building up in my mind what I wanted to talk about. But uh, the, the referees now, for me, the, the, the matches... They seem to be going to this bunker, don't they? Is it in Wilmslow or something, this bunker that they've got? Yeah. Right, so I get that, but aren't you better off? You're the man in the middle. You're there. You're seeing it in front of your own eyes. You can see the players. You're there. So the guy miles away watching it on the telly, it's not as relative as the actual guy in the middle who's feeling it. He's feeling it. He can see it. He can see if there's any intent there. He can speak to the players. Surely it's up to that referee. He should have a bit more, rather than it, him saying, right, go and have a look at it on that screen. And then they're whistling his red card, him, turning him off. We've seen it on a the screen there. That, the referee should should be making these decisions. That's what he gets paid for. He's there. I think that's a cop-out, that. Yeah. There's other cop-outs as well at the moment. If you watch that World Club Challenge game, I mean, the way that was refereed, it's, oh, I don't know, this on-field decision and all that. It's, it's madness. But no, I think, like Parkinson said, I think the I think it'll straighten itself out as the, as the season goes on because it'll have to do. I mean, it's like with boxing, right? Say say two boxers clash heads. What do you do? Oh, he's disqualified him. He, he clashed his head on him. He's bleeding now. It's not. It's a technical draw. It's an accident. It's accidental. That's what happens. So that that one with uh, Ben Curry, the yeah. only reason why that he got sent off is because Ben Curry cut his head. Yeah. If Ben Curry hadn't cut his head and there was no blood there, that'd have been play on. Jobs are good. So, there you go. Interesting. Interesting times. I think, obviously, Parker, sometimes I think they use the screen uh, to take the emotion out of it. Like Paul yeah. said, when you get the roar of the crowd, referees aren't immune to that. Mm-hmm. They'll hear a roar. But, they'll think, what was that? If they haven't seen it, and they'll give what they think what might have happened. You have got that ability to go to a video referee and say, what was wrong with that? I think it was this. Uh, Can you overrule it? And I think, I think the video referee has, has improved the game. I think at this moment with the tackling thing, that needs work, like like we've all said. Uh, I mean, we will get there, but we have to kind of admit the game is changing and it's not rock and roll, rough and, rough and rumble rugby league anymore. It's more about the skill rather than the biff. But certainly that's what people want. Exactly. You have to give the people what they want. Mm, the other side yeah. tonight is with, with the video ref, uh, as it is at the moment when they send it up and go, oh, can you tell me about this? See, in football, they still get it wrong. Mm. And, and when you slow something down and have a really close look, it can look a hell of a lot worse than it did at the time. Mm-hmm. So you've can. got to be very careful. I agree. Pop, I, I, the referee has to make a decision. If he thinks that incident on, on Friday night, straight away, he thinks that's a red card that I think he's got to go, then ask. Don't just wait and say, can you have a look at that? What's your decision? What do you think at the time? You're in the mix. You can say, was that malicious? Did he mean it? You can see that. I can see it. Anyone else can see it. No, he didn't mean it. It's an accident. Just have a make a decision there and then. And then, like you say, I mean, the video ref at the World Club Challenge, we've got it. It's pointless if they're going to get the decision wrong anyway. So, and nobody's perfect. Don't forget, 
VAR and, and video referees, it's not it's not a robot. It's a human making that, and they make mistakes. Mm. So it's never going to be perfect. But I think the referees have got to be stronger and say, I saw what happened. I don't think for one minute he intended that. He has made contact, but it was an accident. Accidents happen. Mm. Not, oh, well, he's made contact with his head. It doesn't matter. He's actually hitting, so he's going off. Well, that's not, that's not right. Yeah. I think the World Club Championship thing, Paul, we're, talk- we're talking the game down. What a game that was between two of the top teams in the world and all we're going on about is a bad referee refereeing decision. Not the drama, not both teams playing fantastic rugby, rugby. not Jay, Jay Fields' wonderful uh, cover tackle as a fullback. What a, what a game it was. Why, why are we lowering the, the buzz of the game? Exactly the same as our million-pound miracle where Gaz O'Brien drops a goal in two minutes, which changes the club forever, and all the rugby league media wanted to talk about was four lads having a having a tear up on the pitch. Massive opportunity missed that day. Massive opportunity missed against the, in, in the World Cup Championship for me. Oh, I, I don't know what Paul thinks, but the, the the difference is the referee decisions change the outcome of that game. That's where it's wrong. Not the game itself, but the outcome of the game was it's a false result. That's the problem with it. It's not, I haven't got a problem with the game, except the game was wonderful. And that's why people are talking about it, because them incidents that the referee did get wrong changed the course of the match. Mm. If he doesn't make them decisions, it's, it's probably a different result. And I think Penrith win it. So that's, that's the problem with it. The referee is changing results. He's not just making an error. That, I mean, to give that, that try for Ward, is, I, I still can't work out what, how did he think that was more a try than not a try in the first place? Because he's got something already in him that he wants to give that try. Mm. Wigan at home, he's a Wigan lad. I don't know if there's any thing in that. I don't know. But And that has changed the result. That's changed the game. The game, if you hadn't have interfered, the game itself was brilliant. Don't get mm. me wrong. It's the, it, it's the way rugby league should be played. There was no, oh, he's hitting eye and things like that. You know, it's... It was a proper game of rugby league, but the, the outcome has been changed by refereeing decisions. Right. But I do take that, Parkett. But I move on to you, Paul, that rugby union, for example, right? You watch Six Nations, lots of no, little no, knock-ons no, here, no, people <laughs> dumping people over in tackles, mistimed tackles, ignored, unless it's something that's going to affect something massive. And... They just like to promote the game. The game becomes a spectacle. We don't talk about the little knock-on yeah. in the in the the bottom of a rook because if they did that, every rook there'd be a knock-on. Yeah. Commentators don't acknowledge it. Referees don't acknowledge it. The game just goes on. Yeah. So yeah. I understand we've got to make sure that the big decisions get right. But I think for the good of the game, we've got to talk these games up and not blame a bad decision on that's, how it why, turned that, out. that's what I was trying to say to you before but if, if these bad decisions weren't being made you wouldn't be talking about it. I mean just before you carry on rugby union I'd rather go and break the brakes <laughs> in the van rather than watch rugby union so I've never watched a game rugby union in my life so and that's honest truth but I tell you one thing if we can just discuss it for a minute right the video referee me and my dad talk about this all the time I think a massive thing with that video ref, I don't agree with it. I'd, I'd get rid of it and just let the referees make decisions. But I tell you what's a bad thing, and it's terrible this on field decision. Mm. 
Right, because this is, this is where it, it gets wrong. So the referee can do this try. On the field, it's a try. So he goes up to the video referee. Video referee is watching it. And he's like, that's not a try, that. I don't think that's a try. But I can't disallow it because I've got to go with his decision, what he's made on the field. So you're already putting obstacles in the way of your video referee. So yeah. why have this on-field decision? Because if he's not sure, that's why, why he's then? going upstairs. So why he said, well, I think it's a try, but I'm going to have a look upstairs. He just makes it a farce. So that needs getting rid of because that, to me, I didn't, I've not seen the game on Saturday. I was at boxing Saturday, so I've not watched it. I've only seen bits of it. But from what I can gather, that's what the controversy was. The video mm. referee saying, well, yeah, I think it's a try. And then he said, and then the Penrith try was given as no try on the field. Mm. So mm. then he can think it's a try, but well, I, I'm not sure. So I'll have to go with it. So it, it's, it's it, I don't know. It's too controversial, that, for me, because... You, you sort of know as a supporter, don't you? If it goes up as a no try, we're not going to get this. We're not going to get it because he can't really see and he can't tell and it's, well, it could be offside and it's a bit blurred and someone's got the foot in the way or the camera's not right. And I think that needs to go, that. I, I really do. Final thoughts on this, Parker? I agree with that. I really do. I think I think if, if, that dis- if, if the referee doesn't say on-field try and he doesn't have a say, and he just goes, look, I don't know what's happened. I can't see it. Can you have a look? Yeah. That try is disallowed. That's as simple as that. And we all know that. We all we all saw it. But because the referee, the, the, that video ref has to be, have 100% that it wasn't a try. Well, that's yeah. not how it worked. It wasn't a try, but he couldn't. It actually happened. You say that in Union. It did happen in a Scotland-France game earlier in the Six Nations this year. Now, I don't watch it, but I caught the last five minutes. Hmm. Scotland got beat on a very, very controversial, very controversial video referee. He said, yeah. Again, because, again, the video, the, the referee said, it's no try or it's a try, whichever way it was. And that changed the course of that game. And that was an outcry. So it does happen in both sports. But that's what that needs to go. That I agree with Paul with that. The, I, there are times when you watch him and you go, he's going to give a try here anyway. He's going to give it. And he goes upstairs and yeah, it's a try. Well, well, what was the point of doing that then? Just give it a try. Don't mess about. Just don't have a decision. If you don't know, if you can't see it and make a decision on the spot of what it is, then we go to the video ref. Mm. If you think it's a try, give the try. Simple. Mm. Fascinating, fascinating chat. Back to Salford and Castleford. Top meter makers. Oh, yeah. Neil McDonald, 167, Brad Singleton, 82, Joel Sorix, 105, Sam Stone, 72. Average gains, Parker. King Bunny Iawa, he made an average average carries of 9 metres per carry. 8 carries, 68 metres. Jack Armanroyd, average 9 metres a carry. 68 metres, 8 carries. Ben Helliwell, average 10 metres a carry, 3 carries, 30 metres. Okay. That's, so, that's three carries. That's what it says. Not many, is it? He must. I think he might have not been on much. Maybe. Seems a lot, but uh, yeah, I think just just going on the uh, yeah the, the whole thing there of, of, of the the meter makers. Did you say McDonald made hundred and something? Neil McDonald hundred and six seven. So that's I think that's two weeks running now, isn't it? He's gone through mm. hundred and fifty odd. I mean, that's 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 very impressive. Very very impressive. But yeah, to, if we're making nine and ten 
metres per carry, then we're doing okay. That's mm. that's what we want. Uh, I think a couple of years ago we'd have been lucky to make six or seven. So <laughs> yeah. again, that's it's progress. And I think I think that's the only other thing I will say about the, the rules at the moment, the discipline, the way it's changed. Markers do tend to be squarer, so you've got a little bit more time to get up. Players aren't. I, I think I think the offside's been a lot better this year. Uh, I don't think teams are offside as much. You always got one or two, which would cut your meters down. So I think that's helping the game. That's that's been a good thing. So yeah, some good good meters there. And then, like you say, with it, I mean, as Jack Armanroy's kind of surprised me there. I didn't I didn't think he'd make that many, but yeah, overall we've we've got to be impressed with that. Yeah. So big thanks to your three word man of the matches, Bob Speakman. Two minute penalties, Sneed. Colin Reynolds wins a win, Sneed. Richard Martin, room for improvement, McDonald. Dave Parker, got job done, Sneed. Martin, Almondroyd, brain fart, Stone. OSF, work, work to do, Stone. Graham Jones, poor discipline, Sneed. Colin Wilson, hard earned victory, McDonald. Andy Lancashire, take the two, Sneed. Mark, clean up discipline, Cust. Natalie Taylor, excellent time management, Sneed. Anita, points, make prizes, Stone. Uh, Paul Whiteside's mate, Roy Orbe, much too close, McDonald. Jeff Whitlow has to be Sneed. Craig Walker, hard fought match. Peter, job well done, Sneed. Christopher Sloan, good in patches, Shorrocks. Paul Howe, need two props. Uh, Mike Murphy, discipline needs sorting. McDonald. And finally, Rob Potts, closer than necessary. Need McDonald. Paul, thoughts? Yeah, yeah. I'd like to see, good to see Sneedy got some there. And just, I'd like to take this opportunity as well to Andy Lancashire. I'd like to give him a mention because I know Andy has had a rough time recently. He lost his son. And I know he listens to the podcast and, and whatever. So our thoughts are with Andy. And he's, he's a nice fella, isn't he? He always contributes every week. So mm. just think, thinking of Andy at the moment. But yeah, I'm glad Sneedy got some some mentions there because um, he deserves it. And he, and he sometimes goes under the radar. Certain players do that. I mean, Parky said that a few times last season where you think someone's had a great game and yet nobody mentions them for, for their man of the match because they just expected to do it every week, aren't they? Because we just expect Sneedy to be good. You know, I think Chris Atkins was the same, wasn't it? But no, I was really impressed with Neil MacDonald. I was impressed with him at Leeds. And one thing I noticed about him at Leeds, I think I said it to you, Rob, um, he was sort of arguing at one point with Sneedy and he got a bit got a bit flustered, I think. But I think it's because he, he cares. He's a passionate bloke. I think he was frustrated at Leeds and that's what you want. You want people like that, winners, who are going to put it all in for you. And he seems that sort of guy. So very, very impressed with him. Very explosive runner. And that athleticism to take that 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 ball where he leapt up like a, like the old salmon, wasn't he, out going for that bar. I thought yeah. it was brilliant. I saw it on Facebook, loads of cast sports saying, oh, he's miles offside and all that, but nah, it looked all right to me. Yeah, so that's all the chat for the men. Let's move on to our ladies, Parker. They were in action against Lee, their first pre-season game of 2024 at the community stage and before the Castle game. Unfortunately, went down to defeat 32 points to 10. I spoke to new head coach Mike Grady after the game. Obviously, disappointed that we didn't get the result. He said he learnt a lot from it. Obviously, new team, 12 new players, new coach. It's going to take time to bet in. Yeah, we lost a lot of experience out of that team from last year and the, and the year before. So it's, it is going to take time to bed in. And, and we didn't we didn't go for a light option playing Lee. There are easier teams out there we could have picked on. So I, I suppose it's a good challenge. And, and, and like I say, Michael, he'll learn a lot from that, from his, from seeing the girls, from seeing what who, who can do what in a game. It's easy doing it in training sometimes. You're not running at anyone. You're not. There's no one trying to 
well, I'm not taking your head off anymore, but you know what I mean. Uh, so yeah, it'd be a good workout. There's no, there's no stress on that at all. It's going to take us a, a, a while to get a team together to understand each other's roles to, to get new partnerships. We lost a lot of key players last year: hookers, uh, halfbacks. So it is going to take a while. And obviously, I mean, the season won't be far off. But I think we just need a bit more time together. I, I've got no no worries. I think there's still some really good players in there from from what we've had previously and players coming back into that team. So it's just a case that it's early, it's early season. I dare say the league team hasn't changed an awful lot. And if it has, it will have improved from where they were. So, because I think they're, they're, they're a super league team, really. I know they're not, but they, they probably should be. But we're, yeah, we're a work in progress again. We're more or less starting from scratch mm. in many ways. And we've just got to re- relearn all them skills yeah. and, and come together as a team. Paul, I watched it. Watched it back. I think they just lacked field position. I think Lee tactically kept putting us in our 20 and we struggled to get out. Like Parky said, we, we've we've lost a few uh, rock and roll forwards, so we struggled to, to get out. Uh, but when we did get into attacking positions, we looked dangerous. And, and that's, a, that's a positive going forward that new players coming in look like they can play. Well, that's right. Yeah, that's the, that's the exciting thing, isn't it? It's always going to take time for for new players to, to gel and get combinations together. Lost a lot of experience. Well, I mean, we saw Louise Fellingham, didn't we? At the the Leeds mm. game, she was commentating, and she's got a Warrington now, so she's a big big hole out of the team as well. So it does take time. You've got new leaders to come in as well, haven't you? And the, the players, people to look up to, and things like that. It does take time to mould a new side, new coach as well. So there's an awful lot of change there. So there's things to be positive about, though, and I'm sure they're going to make progress as the, as the season goes on and and I'm sure they'll have a good season but it's going to be difficult when you, you've got new new faces yeah the two Salford tries parking one was by Millie Jones Tasker Curran long pass from the play of the ball she dives over in the corner and then the last Salford the second Salford try in the dying moments of the second half Demi Jones kind of zipping in and out the line gave it to Abby Collins who crashed over by the posts two well worked tries well, you just mentioned two names there on that last try that are going to be very important for us this year, mm. especially Demi, who's got she's got all the experience. She's she's going to be the key, I think, for us. She's going to take over that mantle that that'll be left by Louise running running games. But we've still got some really good players there. Mm. The names that I looked down the team sheet and I thought I don't know, I don't know you. I'm not sure about. And then I thought, well, yeah, you're still here. You're still here. So there's, there's plenty to build on, and and hopefully. But, as the season goes on, we'll see him progress. And it might not be this year, but we need to build again. I've said it, I say it every week. We we got harshly dealt with last year in, in what they in the restructuring. And that's kind of cost us a lot of players, players who want to play at a higher level. And that's we've enabled these girls to be at that level. We've taken some of them who hadn't even played rugby league before and pushed them to to, to that that kind of standard who and they want to play Super League. And we can do that again now. Paul King, obviously, we had him on last week, and he's he's heavily invested in in what not, not obviously in the financial manner, but in terms of what the girls do, he wants to see the best of, of everything we've got. So yeah, I, I'm I'm really confident for the girls. I think there's still enough there, and once they start kicking in and, and, and learning together, I think we'll be fine. Yeah, I haven't done the the deep dive yet into our new faces, Parker, but mm-hmm. Emily Carlisle, she looked very very good. I thought Jen Myler on the edge. Thought there's tries in tries in her, I reckon. But all the new faces looked really good. Gave a good performance. 
obviously the, the people who have been here before, the likes of Emerald Hickey, uh, Darcy Price, I thought that was the best performance I, I've seen from her in, in a red shirt. I don't know what she's been doing in Jamaica, but she needs to keep doing it. And obviously the return of Lu- Lucy McKeown as well. That's a, yeah. you know, a good thing going forward. Yeah, well, Lucy, we know our first season, she was unbelievable. I think she's good. Six tries every week. It was it, it was crazy. She's got great pace, great step. So she'll be another added bonus to us, really. It's like probably like having a new signing because she missed, I think, nearly all of last year. So, I mean, that's that's obviously a bonus for all those players you do lose. To get somebody like Lucy back in there is, is really good. So, yeah, there's still lots of positives for us. And like I say, we just, we just got to hope they can get it together quickly. And, and just get off to a good start to the year. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a run out this week. That's all That's all it was. I know we've got a game this weekend as well. So, just keep learning, keep bonding together, training hard like, like we know they do, and they'll be fine. Yeah. So, that's all the match chat. And now we'll see what's happening in the world of Sulphur Devils. So, we've done player strike. We've done tackling techniques. Let's move on to fan zones. I went on that Saturday, Sunday. Very good. Music, beers, interviews, great atmosphere. Parker, I've got to give the club a, 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 a big hand clap about that. We want the game day experience to be fantastic and it's a step in the right direction. Well, absolutely. I mean, we we need to offer more. Mm. It's simple as that. We needed to. I, 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 didn't, I didn't arrive really into time for that on the, on Sunday but yeah we do I mean we saw it a few times last year didn't we when we like put the, the events on and there was a few games where I think the Wigan game was was brilliant what was going on and, and hopefully we can get back to that because that it's tough now with every game being on the telly to attract people you can sit at home and watch it sit in the pub and watch it we need to offer more than, than 80 minutes of rugby mm-hmm. we've said it a thousand times with me and Paul we're all stick in the mud we're going for the match and it doesn't matter you put the dancing girls on or you can bring on I don't know David Copperfield it doesn't really matter for me it's, it's, it's whatever you say but it's what happens in the 80 minutes that bothers me but you have to now and there are other attractions in the area we are in a in a privileged position in many ways where we live because there is so much to do so we've got to pull these people in and, and to offer the fan zone and, and I think giving that interaction with the city interviews, the players aren't playing. Now, there won't be many because we haven't got many. But <laughs> to get them involved, give the kids a chance to meet with them. I think we've all probably seen that Ryan Briley sort of interview that was, that's put out. And I mean, kind of, I must admit, it put a tear in my eye because he, he, the way he spoke was how I feel about the club. It was, it was what I've always wanted to do. And he, he is living our dream in many ways and I think when he said that he sees kids with the names on the back and all, we forget what it means to be six seven eight years old and, and see these players that you absolutely love and that if you you get a kid then saying come on mum or dad I want to get to the game I want to go and see so and so that's that's the kid we need to be able to get that and engage them at that age so yeah brilliant to see the club are doing doing things about it and I'm sure again as the weather books up uh, in about another seven months We'll, we'll be okay when the sun's out and because there's plenty of land there plenty of things he can do so yeah I'm sure they'll keep improving and now with the stadium hopefully progressing we'll get more help from from it all and uh, yeah so it looks good yeah so don't forget 
can get your shuttle bus from Traff Centre every 15 minutes. Fan Zone kicks off at 3 o'clock. You've got Greek feet, Greek street food. You've got Mexican street food. Get some coffee as well, Paul. Not much you like your coffee. Entertainment starts at 3 o'clock. You've got Zorbin. You've got Martin Burkett and Shane Hansen with the interviews. You've got face painting. You've got the Supporters Trust table. You've got the Red Angels dancing. And you've got the Red Devils Foundation Tom Bowler as well. And Diablo the Devil will be in attendance, Paul. So lots going on. Going to be another good day. Weather permitting, hopefully. No rain. And we can have a good day. Yeah, certainly. I think I've noticed that OKR... They've got like a fan zone there, haven't they? And I think they've done a good job with that. And perhaps we've took a bit of a leaf out of their books. I think that's the the, the way to go, isn't it? And uh, like Pike said, I only go for the match, really. I mean, I, I got there a minute to three on uh, on Sunday. I was a bit late uh, to, to get there, so didn't really get to see anything. But but no, I think I think it's good to to to, to grow the the crowd and get people involved and, and get it like a really good atmosphere. I just keep mentioning OKR, okay, but at the moment they seem to be like a club that's really on the up. Everything seems to be positive about them and the way they talk. And I think sometimes if it's like that off the field, it can sort of transfer to on the pitch as well with the players and, and the whole club sort of gets going, doesn't it? I mean, you think back to the, the, the sort of mid-90s itself when you beat Wigan in the Cup and we seem to kick on from that. And that 97 season was really good. And it felt like a good time to be a supporter because things were happening off the pitch as well. And, and I, I don't know, I think when there's a good vibe around the club, I think it's the supporters love it and they want to be part of it, don't they? And I think this is a good thing, this getting people involved and having this fan zone. And it's a start, it's something that can grow and grow and grow. Yeah, I tried the Greek food Zat Ski. Uh, very nice. <coughs> Parky tried to take a leaf out of your book, told him that I'd do the podcast hoping he'd give me something for free. It didn't happen. <laughs> I had to buy it, but it was well worth it. So my advice is, is to get yeah. stuck into this street food. And enjoy the game. Yeah, I might. Uh, hopefully, well, we don't, don't need to this week. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll, be doing, I'll be doing that in the future, definitely. I quite like the thought of uh, Greek street food. It sort of grabs me a bit. It's funny you say that. I mean, Paul was saying there about feeling off the park and with the fans, and it seems to sort of transmit. It takes me back to 2005, 2006. Uh, and I remember being at the shed at the Willows, and it was, there was a buzz. For some reason, under Carl Harrison, we had a couple of good years. Didn't we? Only 2006, we made the playoffs. But the, the crowd, everywhere, it was like you wanted to get in the shed early. You wanted to be. And it was the team came out. It was a dramatic thing. Obviously, we had the Ignito with his flair and all that kind of thing. But it felt different. And the, the, the performance on the pitch were better. And, and it does, the better the atmosphere in, in, with the fans. I think it just transfer, transmits to the players. I really do. And the whole club then gets a lift out of it. And then people want to be involved, want to be there. Come come down, you'll love this. That's all. And that's that's what the, the club are going to try and aim at, at getting now. And that's part of this fandom thing that IMG have set out. It, it, it does have a massive effect. I think fans, I don't, I don't think sometimes some fans realise how much they influence things or do it the other way when all you do is stand there and slag them off for, for 80 minutes. Well, what, I don't really know what you're going to expect. So, it's uh, yeah, no, it is strange how, how it, the, the two go hand in hand. Mm. Uh, moving on, the Salford Red Devils Foundation have a silent auction uh, going on where you can bid for Shane Wright's playing shirt or the Australian national team's World Cup shirt, which is signed. It ends at half seven on Saturday. Paul, obviously, it's great. All these auctions. I know, obviously, it's a silent one, but I always get a bit nervous when it comes to auctions because you don't want to itch your nose and suddenly have to spend five grand on a boat. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so what's the silent auction where you just like bid on Facebook or something? Yeah. Or, right, right, right. They're dangerous them though, aren't they? Because mm. we have a few scoops at home or whatever, a couple of cans on a Saturday night and end up buying bloody... <laughs> God knows what, like, but no, the, the prize is there, though. I mean, a signed Australian test shirt, mm-hmm. that's, that's 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 something in it to, to have on your dining room wall or something. So, so yeah, I've noticed a bit of memorabilia going up in my house actually. Our Imogen's in her room the other night for summer, and well, to shout her actually, after she's not in her own, but got an email <laughs> of school, and she's got a, a 1973 74 Salford team picture on the wall with a championship trophy. I don't know where she got it from because I had one in the frame with my dad's. And it were in the garage, and she's nailed it on the wall. So, yeah, spreading. So I might have to bid for something for her because she's starting to peg memorabilia all over the house. You'll be, you'll be creeping in, parking under the cover of darkness, and taking that down and putting it in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're doing. Yeah. yeah, I think I've, I think I've got enough. To be fair, but yeah, no. To be fair, you say the Australian test shirt. I'm, I'm I've got a, a bit of a man crush on uh, Shane Wright. To be honest with you, so I'd probably take his. So I think he's I think he's a fantastic player. I really do. And like you said before, Paul, about him, by the way, just going off that once he gets his confidence back, it's yeah. more it'll be more mental for him now than, yeah. than anything else. Yeah. Once he gets that back, he's some player, that lad. I could see if he can if he hadn't had the injuries already, he could have probably gone back to the NRL. I think he's that good. Yeah. Final bit of news. The Red Angels are having a bucket collection at the game uh, against Hawkins Rovers to raise money for new outfits and worn tracksuit. So make sure you stick some money in that bucket. They do a great job uh, with uh, entertainment throughout the game and throughout the match day. Um, so, yeah, make sure that you put your two pennies worth in their buckets. So that's all the news. And now we'll look forward to this week's games. <laughs> So we'll start with the ladies, Parkett. They're in action against Hull Kingston Rovers. Their ladies completed the treble last year. So they are a good team. Uh, and Mike Grady's ladies will need to be on top form uh, to get a result. Yeah, didn't we, didn't we beat them a couple of years back when we, we did. played them? I think we did, didn't we? I mean, obviously, we were in the same league at that time. And then last year, obviously, we moved to a different league. and mm. But whatever. Yeah, no, again, it's just another good test, isn't it? Hopefully the travelling down might might get to them a little bit because it's, it's a mission, isn't it? But yeah, it'll be good just to see again. Hopefully there'll be a couple more players maybe getting a run out and, and, and testing the squad. But uh, yeah, like I said earlier, the more time they spend together, the better they're going to get. And so yeah, that'd be well worth getting down and watching if you can get there early enough. Well, I don't suppose it's, it'll be too early this week, will it? Because we kick it. The, the men's game kicks off at half five or something. So three o'clock. Mid- right? Yeah. So a decent time to get down and, and watch the ladies like you say just hope the weather's okay stay outside and, and watch that at the fan zone but yeah no I think I think it's just a case of, of getting the girls together having another run out and getting prepared getting that physical getting used to the contact again and that sort of thing so yeah, uh, yeah hopefully I can get, we can get down and see a little bit of it anyway yeah promises to be to be a good game Paul last time we played and we beat him 58-6 but <clears throat> since then I think Orchestra Rollers have, have sort of found some talent uh, to obviously finish top of the league, win the grand final, finish five points clear of Alton. Shows they got they had a good side, but like I said, we've got some new faces in. 
and, and we're building and, and I'm confident that, that we, we can give them a good game and, and possibly get a result on Saturday. Yeah, certainly. It's, it's early stage of the season as well, isn't it? So, I mean, this is the time to to sort of get results, isn't it? So, form's nothing at the moment, is it? Because nobody's really played. So, you can catch teams cold sometimes, can't you? So, so yeah, you've just got to go for it. As we said before, new faces and uh, there's new heroes to be made there, isn't there? So, and there'll be new fans' favourites this season as well with the supporters. So, so yeah, I'm confident they'll do a good job on uh, on the weekend. On Saturday, I'm going to say Sunday. On Saturday, it should mm-hmm. uh, should be a good day. I think it's always a good day when there's a, the old double-header on. I think it's a really good uh, good day out. It'll be interesting to see Parker, who Mike Grady picks as his half-back partnership. Demi Jones, Emily Carlisle, Sam Evans all played quite well last weekend. He'll have a decision to make there. Yeah, like I said, you can rotate them. You can try them all at some point in the game. I think we're going to have to. And I think, like I said, I know how important Demi's going to be for us. But maybe it's a chance for her not to be as involved, if you like, to see how reliant we're going to be. And, and test out a different partnership because there will be times in the season where you're going to get injuries, players aren't going to be available. Um, and what you don't want to be halfway through a season, I'm going to drop in a players at halfback, the, the key positions, who don't know each other, who've not played together. So probably give them a chance to do that this 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 week as well. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see what he goes with. But I'm I'm very sort of very keen to see what our pack looks like now because, like you said before, we lost some very key members out of that that that's that pack and. That's the one that's going to set the platform for us. So uh, I want to just see how the girls go. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. Like you say, keep your eyes on the club's socials. They'll tell you when kickoff is. I think it's three o'clock, but they will confirm it. Get yourselves down there. Impressive turnout last week. Hopefully more of the same this week. Let's move on to the game for Rally's men against Hull Kingston Rovers. Two wins from two from them. Paul in form, like we've talked about, a club on the up. It's going to be fascinating. Yeah, they are a club on the up. I think there's a lot of positivity about OPR at the moment. I've seen a bit of them on the telly because with the games being on Sky, now, I've managed to, to catch some of the matches and very impressed with them. Really, I thought Nile Levels played really well against uh, against Hull and Leeds. And I mean, to be honest with you, I think he'd be better playing at fullback for them because that Hiku is a bit of a bit of a liability. I mean, I'd be uh, be kicking to him because uh, he's a bit like a bolt turning round. You put the ball behind him. He's, He's quite a tall bloke. He's, he's not as the agile as the people. So uh, if I was okay, I'd be putting Evels at full back because I think he's wasted on the wing. But um, but no, they've got some good players in that side there. Um, that that tired old mate, I'm not sure about him. Uh, I wasn't that impressed with him when he was at Catalan, but Parcells a good player. You know, he's a really good hooker. He's, he's quick around the around the around the road. They've got uh, is it Bachelor at back row and all. He's mm-hmm. he's a good player. And the halfback as well, Mikey Lewis. Well, he's a real talisman for him, isn't he? He's he's their man at the moment. He's that sort of Brody Croft, isn't he? Really. So he's somebody to watch. But no, they've got some good players in that side. Ryan Hall as well. Yeah. He's still a good player, Ryan Hall. He's, he he can still score tries. Very very strong near the line as well. So they've got a very balanced side, I think. Okay. And from what I saw of them, they were head and shoulders above Leeds in that game. And, and in round one, they absolutely battered all on their own yeah. ground in a derby game. So so they're going to be coming favourites, I would have thought. I think the Bookies have gotten favourites. I think we've got an eight-point start. So so it's going to be tough, but I don't know. I think sometimes teams get hyped up, don't they, by Sky and other things and that. And you've not got to read into that sometimes. You've got to go and play your own game. And we've got some good players on our side and players who can cause problems as well. Look in the pack. Like I said, Shorrock's very good ball player. 
Yeah. I don't think Oliver Parkinson will be playing, will he? We saw him on uh, mm. Sunday, didn't we? He had one of them boots on, didn't yeah, he? So, yeah. not so sure what's... Did, did we get? Did we find out, or Paul Roller, what was wrong with No, he was... He, well, it was Christian New this week, and he basically said, would you just get his body ready for, for the next time he can play? Didn't really get drawn into what was wrong with him, but we signed him with a boot on, so... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Broken arm, well, I, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's awful. I think I think we'll be all right. I think we've got we've got players to, to trouble them. I think it'll be a really good game. I think it's two sides that like to play rugby league the right way. I think their their coach uh, Willie Willie Peters. I think he's a really good coach. I think he's very very positive. He did a great job with them last season. They finished well high up on the table and runners up in the Challenge Cup as well. So so yeah, in a way, I'm pleased for for all KR because out of the two old clubs. I prefer them really because all FC are always like that chairman they've got that Adam Pearce and they're always a bit mouthy aren't they in signing they're spending loads of money and all that so all care a bit like the the poor relation but there is there are clubs similar to us I've just been writing the preview today you, you look back and they've not really had any success for for a long time you're going back to the mid 80s I mean I know ours is the mid 70s since we won a major trophy but they've gone a long time now without winning, winning anything really and if you think back to like the 90s they're in the third tier they were below us when we were in that first division, so they've been in the doldrums really. But come back to Super League and last few years, I think they've been really good. They've finished in the playoffs numerous occasions, and they've not just built this fan base up over like twelve months. They've been doing it gradually, getting better and better every week. And no, they're a good side. Yeah, going to be fascinating uh, to see what happens. Parker got to be disciplined. Got to make your meters. Got to make your tackles. Game gameplay intelligence is going to be. Really, really important. Like with like Mickey Lewis knocking about, you need to make sure that someone keeps an eye on him. But like I say, we've got good players ourselves. They'll be looking at Mark Sneed. They'll be looking at Tim Lafay. Uh, they'll be doubting whether they can, can do a number on us. So it'll be fascinating to see uh, who comes out on top. Yeah, I think like we said before, I think the thing is with with Rovers at the moment, they're on the crest of a wave, hmm. uh, and confidence can carry you a long, long way. Uh, I think we're still learning a little bit. I think they've got more of a Solid team, as in they've been together a little bit longer. I know they've had a few changes this year, but I think they've got more of a nucleus of, of what they want and their identity. It'd be interesting to see what team he does pick. I mean, I, I agree with Paul about Evans. I think I'm amazed. I mean, they signed Joey Burgess, doesn't get in the team. They play a fullback on the wing, and you think, well, that's a bit crazy. Would 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 you not put Evans at fullback, stick Burgess on the wing, and, and do it that way? I don't know what's going on there if he's if he's injured or what. But for me, that would be a stronger strong way to go uh, so it'd be interesting to see what they do with them I've noticed Sam Luckley's not been overly getting a look in him again and another ex-red who's a, a really good player who, who causes lots of problems with his offloads and that sort of thing so it shows the depth of their squad and that's the key for them they've got some really good players I mean it, Abdul was let go on loan he can he can actually sign for Catalan now if he wants if Catalan decides that's all okay, KR gone thanks for your, for your efforts but off you go because they're moving on, they're, they're looking at making progress. So I think it'd be really, really tough. And I agree with Paul, I think it'd be a really good game. If it doesn't become too attritional, I think both teams do like to play the game in, in the right way. And okay, I obviously score a lot of tries out wide with Ryan Hall. I think, I think that'll be the way the game will go. I think both teams will attack really well. But they've got a lot of strength, a lot of strength. But I think, I think we'll have to be right on our A game to, to turn them over because I think they're coming here with with a lot behind them, a lot of impetus, and, and maybe they might just have too much. Mm, I think we should start a, a hashtag, bring Sam Luckley home, I reckon. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. Prediction time for you, Paul. Thoughts? 
I can see the main points in it, like the cast game. I don't think our defence is 100% yet, is it? Uh, I don't know, I'm a bit wary about this one. I'm not sure. I think, I don't know. I'll never back against us, though, so I'll have to go with us. I'll say, sort of a 28, Sol Kingston Rovers, 24. 24. You've got to go with us, otherwise you don't get the Nandos. That's yep. one of the rules. Yep. Parker, prediction? Well, I've, you know, I've done mine, but I don't remember what I went with, so I don't know. I wrote it down somewhere. Oh, uh, yeah, well, sadly, I won't be getting the Nando's because I've gone Salford 14, Hull KR 18. I think it'd be really, really not tight. going <coughs> for the Nando's this week. It, it could, I mean, it could easily go either way. It could be 18 14 to us. I think it's that kind of game. I just think we need to, if we tighten up the, the little discipline issues, and like Paul said, I mean, they're. Cassie's two tries in the first half the other day were both off silly little errors from us, little switching off moments. You can't do that against good teams. And OK, they're definitely a good team. They'll exploit that. So if we're bang at it, we can win the game. Not, not, I'm not that bothered. If we're slightly off by 1%, OK, I can easily come here and do a number. So, yeah, I think, it, I think it'd be a good game, though. I think it's one that the neutrals will enjoy watching. Yeah, my prediction <clears throat> is going to be Salford 30, Hull KR 6. And wow. I think, I'm hoping that maybe Nofaluma will get his debut and score twice. Paul. Hmm. Don't do predictions by half you, dear. No. Most no. confident Salford support on the planet. <laughs> I, I just believe, I've always believed we are the best team in the world. We do have our ups and downs. I have faith in this team. I have faith in Paul Rowley that when it clicks, when Rowley Ball clicks, we are unplayable, Paul. If Salford played the if Salford played the nineteen eighty two Kangaroos, Rob, you back Salford because <laughs> you you just got the faith, haven't you? <laughs> got to keep the faith, Parker. Well, yeah, I, I, at the moment, I mean, I'm, I am still encouraged. The Leeds game proved that to me. I thought, we, like Paul said earlier, I thought we were a better team at Leeds, going to Headingley and being a better team on that opening day with everything going on with Croft and Ackers and, and whatever else, I think that's shown a lot of, of what we had. And again, penalties sort of turned us round a little bit and Leeds only scored when we had 12 men on the park. So I think that shows we've got some. And if we hadn't switched up a little bit again, Cass, we could have been cleared of a, in that first half. So there's a lot to be encouraged about from us. If we keep all 13 on the park, you just never know. We, we, we could do okay. So yeah, you've got to keep the faith. And I think... I know I've gone for a Rovers win, but it wouldn't surprise me if we won at all. Yeah. So that's the end of this week's cast. Paul, great to be back. Yeah, yeah, really enjoyed it. Yeah. I know we went off the tangent a bit, but I like doing that sometimes because it, it, sometimes I'll be driving about my van and it, it builds up on me listening to stuff and reading stuff on it. I think, oh, I want to talk about that. I want to tell people how I feel about it and, that, and it, the podcast is a good place to, to vent off your anger. So, no, I really, really enjoyed it. So, good to be back, lads. Yeah, another great show, Parker. What I say, big thanks to all our listeners who have donated via the Kofi. Helps us buy programs and, and equipment to to create this uh, podcast, which everyone listens to. Yeah, and two things. Uh, I just want to say, like, like Paul said, sometimes you think, I want to say, I want to say that, and I'm lucky enough to because of you guys to have that chance. There's millions out there that don't get the chance to be heard, so that's I don't don't do it lightly. I do. I might not be everyone's cup of tea sometimes, but that's, I'll just say what I think and how I feel. And secondly, yeah, to the listeners, I mean, this week, I've had so many messages 
from all over the world, oddly enough, of people saying how much they enjoyed they enjoyed the last couple of podcasts and how, how we do a great job and that kind of and that it means a lot. It blows me away because you don't think about when we're sat here talking now. It's just us three. Mm. I, I don't think of the wider the wider thing, and then you get a message from someone you think, "Wow, people are listening." So yeah, no, thank, thanks to everybody who does listen to it makes it, you know, all worthwhile. Yeah. So big thanks for joining us on this Devil in the Detail. I'm Rob Parkinson. You can find us on Facebook, Devil in the Detail SRD. You can find us on X at DITD SRD. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify. We'll see you soon for more Soft Red Devils chat. Good luck, Reds. We'll see you on the other side. Devil in the D-Cell.